we may, be, that we may not be guided by this world and our own thoughts, but your word may truly continue to be the light unto our path, that we might continue to have our lives aligned to you and your will alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm sure uh, pretty much all of us can remember those days in school when we would be faced with a test. But not only that, how about one of those days when you were taking a test or a quiz and you didn't do as well as you had hoped? <laughs> yeah, I remember a number of those days. And every once in a while, it wasn't just me, and it wasn't just you who had struggled with that test. There were occasions when it seemed the whole class had kind of struggled, and the scores were such that, you know, the average wasn't where it should have been. And the teacher, in grace, or whatever you may want to have called it, would add points to bring up the grade to the average that it should have been. You know, I have to tell you, I actually liked it when that would happen. It kind of gave you that sense of relief, and it's like, okay, it's not just me. But looking back, I have to say, it's probably not the best practice. Because when I consider myself, it was probably more, at least in certain subjects, an issue of my ability or my failure to properly study and prepare for the exam. You see, it's not so much that when we do a uh, curve on a test where the teacher is basically saying, okay, the test was too hard. The real issue behind this is the students weren't prepared. You know, through these kinds of practices, we can actually grow up expecting the standards to be adjusted to fit us, rather than us conforming to the standard. God's law in His will, my friends, is the standard that is set before us. It is that means or that guide by which we must be measuring what is right and what is wrong, what is good, what is not. And so we must be very careful to align with God and to conform to His standard rather than adjusting the laws of God to conform to us. Because, you, well, you see, God doesn't grade on a curve. Today we are shown a group of religious people, the Pharisees, who were actually grading themselves on a curve. They spoke the language, they went through the motions, they went to the temple, they worshipped, they gave an offering. They seemingly were doing all of these right things. They prayed loudly and outwardly they looked like they were living by God's standards. They looked like they had it all together. Yeah, no shortcomings here. We've got this religious life down pat. Or so it appeared. You know, it's one thing when someone else grades you on a curve, but it gets infinitely worse when you begin to grade yourself that way. 
When this happens, there's really no boundaries, and you create for yourself a license to sin. And you can reason by way of this curve that even God approves it. Think about it. You know, I'm not that bad. I'm no different than my neighbor. I'm no different than my brother. You know, you have to understand, God, we are a sinful people, so this is just how we are, God. you got to accept us. Folks, remember, we are in the Pentecost season. The color green, as maybe I have alluded to at other times, is that symbolic reminder of a season of growth. And not only the growth and the spread of the kingdom of God, but your growth and my growth. That God's not done with any one of us yet. He is not done continuing to mold us and shape us further into the very image of Christ himself. But when we begin to, you know, set up our own boundaries, give ourselves a license to sin, well, let's be honest, the growth has stopped. And it's meant to be lifelong. Today I pray that our God and Father would use his unchanging word, both that of his law and the gospel, to conform us into the image of Christ. The Lord says through Paul in Romans chapter 10, verse 10, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. It is in the New Testament that we read how Jesus saw through the outward shows of religion and affirmed the importance of a right heart when he condemned the hypocrisy of these Pharisees. He said, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. God knows our hearts. So how's your heart? And how will you answer that question? Will you answer it based upon your activities this past week? Will you answer telling what you've done, what you've given, what you've maybe not done? Will you answer, you know, telling about the good things you said or who you helped? Well, Jesus always looked at the heart. And it is there that he found the real person. Christianity is by necessity a religion of the heart because only out of the heart comes, as it says in Proverbs 4, the wellspring of life. God calls his people to turn to him with their whole hearts. Salvation is received when, as it says in Romans 10:9, we believe in our hearts that God raised Jesus from the dead. And when Scripture calls us to pray, it asks us to pour out our hearts to the Lord in Psalm 62. But sadly, much of Christian writing today, much preaching you will hear on TV or, you know, different places, unfortunately, puts an overwhelming emphasis on works and external forms of worship. 
But my friends, a, a true spiritual revival and change must always begin in the heart. But notice the kind of heart that God is looking for, that God is drawn to. We see this in Samuel's words in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him leader of his people. God's search for a king ended when he found the obscure David and his very special heart. What does it mean to have a heart after God? Well, this is a vital subject for us to consider because it speaks to who we really are and how God can use us for His glory. Remember, not only is God seeking that you and I would be growing, but He is seeking through us that we would be those vessels that His kingdom would continue to grow, that other people also would be drawn into a saving relationship with Him. So, a heart that is out of tune or a heart that is out of sync with God's heart will produce a life of spiritual barrenness, no real fruit, and a life filled with missed opportunities. But as we seek the Lord to bring our hearts into harmony with His and submission to His, we will truly experience peace with God and fulfill Christ's command to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. This uh, section of Scripture is filled with so much. I mean, that alone, that, you know, that we would go and fulfill His call to bear fruit. Far too often, I think, you know, we're just called to live a pretty good life and come to worship and, you know, do a few of those things that we seemingly have defined that we as Christians should be doing. But there's far more. God wants all of us, and He wants us to live and honor Him in every area of life. You know, the Pharisees, they were guilty of exchanging God's law for man-made rules. In all honesty, their own rules. You know what that's like, right? You remember as a kid, you'd make up the game, and if you were playing with friends, you would make up the rules so they would somehow benefit you. And that's exactly what they were doing. They made rules up that would make them stand out, that would make them somehow, you know, look better and look, you know, like they had it all together. God's law, my friends, was to drive people to repentance and faith. And that's what was happening with the sinners and, you know, with the tax collectors that we read about, you know, here further in the gospel. God was changing them, and they were coming to faith. They were leaving behind their lives the ways they were living, and they were aligning their lives now to His will and His word. But man-made rules were a form of religion that served as a man-made way that they could keep rules in order to be justified. But before man, not God. Let's get to the heart of the matter here. You know that phrase, right? 
What do people mean when they say that? Well, it means more than, let's see how this feels. It means much more. It means, let's explore. Let's, the heart is the center. The heart is the essence. What it's all about inside and out. What makes it go? The opposite of getting at the heart is just brushing over the matter or skimming the surface, glancing at outward appearances. Isn't that the contrast the Lord makes in 1 Samuel 16 when he says, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart? He's not contrasting our head and our heart, as if feelings were more important than ideas. Rather, God is contrasting what the eye can see on the outside with what is truly on the inside. The heart, the way the Bible uses the word, focuses on the mind as well as the emotions. Matter of fact, in the biblical language, if someone wanted to emphasize emotions, they wouldn't use the word for heart. They would use the word for kidney or bowels, not, not the heart, but the gut. My dear friends, the heart is the real you. The heart is the inner you. It's your thoughts and your mind, your feelings and your emotion, your will and your drive. It's the full you. It's the real you. That's the you which the Lord sees. And we can put on appearances. We can play to the eyes of others. We can fool them for better or for worse. But the Lord sees the heart of the matter. He knows the real you. He knows your heart. So what facade do you need to take down? In what ways and areas do you need to be honest with yourself? What area are you saying, you know what, this is good enough. I don't really need to stop living this way. It's normal. Everybody else is doing it. Or, God will just accept me as I am. Now, whose standards there are we using? But friends, the question for us then is, is Jesus really the Lord of your life in every area or not? Are we going to submit to his authority? Are we going to submit to his reign? Are we going to live under him or not? Are we living according to his will and his standards or our own? As we continue through this life and set our eyes on that which is to come, I pray that we pay attention and honor what God requires of us. May we strive to uphold his law fully. And if you should fail at some point, thank God. Thank God for sending his son, Jesus Christ, our great and perfect mediator who never failed at keeping all of God's law for us. So, 
Are we ever guilty of looking to man's or our own ideas and equating them with God's word? Do we ever think we are really not all that sinful? Do we think that somehow God will grade us on a curve? Well, may we truly honor and daily strive to live by the will and the law of God. Let's not worry about how we look on the outside, but the condition of our hearts. And when we fail, may we always run to the one who is our Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who forgives us, the one who restores us. Let's get to the matter of the heart. Amen.